We've all got questions about the Bible and Christianity. Some of us are Christians and want to know how best to live for God and show our love for Him. Some of us are curious about what it means to follow Jesus. And some of us are skeptical of the idea of religion in general. Whatever your background, we invite you into these conversations that strive to take an honest look at what the Bible has to say on a wide variety of subjects. Each week, we will discuss questions that have been sent in from all around the world and try to find truth and practical application in God's Word. If you have any questions, or follow-up comments, contact us anytime by emailing info at broadwaycoc.com. I'm Jed Lovejoy, and these are Conversations with Dan. All right. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another one of our conversations here with Dan. We're going to continue to respond to some of the questions that have come in on videos over the last few weeks. And so this week, here's our question. I'll just read it. That way I don't miss, uh, miss say anything. Here we go. How do you respond when someone says you can't really know the Bible until you know the original languages? Uh, they don't like any modern language English translations. Well, I think that we can understand the Bible and that God always intended for us to understand the Bible in translation. And uh, there's some very simple and obvious reasons for this. Okay. Um, when we, you know, go to the scriptures, uh, Jesus, especially in what we call the Great Commission, mm -hmm. you know, uh, in Matthew's versions, he says, go make disciples of all the nations. Right. Well, the thing about it is all the nations speak different languages. Mm. So within the Great Commission, implied in the Great Commission is translation, because you can't preach the gospel hmm. to all the nations without preaching the gospel in their language. Now, yeah. some people have, have um, I guess, circulated somewhat of a myth, though, although it's partially true, that the whole world in the ancient times spoke one language in, in hmm. the time of Jesus, and that was Greek. Right, because they were was, a overwhelming culture. Yeah, yeah. Greek was a, a widely spread uh, throughout the Roman Empire language, that's true. Hmm. But there were many people that um, even the Romans called barbarians. And the word barbarian simply means somebody that doesn't speak our language. Right. And so if you have a map of Europe in your mind, which you probably don't, but if you had one in your mind, if you could follow the Danube River across Europe and you went north and um, east of the Danube River, everything that way was the territory of the barbarians. If you think about the the Ostrogoths and the Visigoths and the Franks mm. and the Burgundians and the Vandals and all those tribes that came and eventually destroyed the Roman Empire, all of those people were barbarians, meaning they didn't speak Greek, they didn't speak the languages yeah. of the Roman Empire, they didn't speak those. So the Great Commission, of course, was not... Mm. Um, restricted to those south yeah. of the Danube River. It could have gone to anybody. It, it was to go to everyone. And, yeah. of course, the people in, in Africa, uh, off, off, many of those didn't speak those languages. And so... Now, uh, so what about the people specifically, like when you were talking about the Great Commission there in Matthew, when Jesus is talking to them, what was he most likely speaking? Or what could he have possibly been speaking, I guess? Well, he could have been speaking... Uh, Aramaic, most likely, and he could have been speaking Greek because 
everybody in Palestine did business in Greek and so mm. forth. It was part of the Roman Empire. But um, whether he was speaking Greek or Aramaic uh, makes little difference because the apostles, of which Matthew was one, mm-hmm. uh, were guided into the truth by the Holy Spirit, John sixteen thirteen. Everything Jesus had said was brought to their remembrance, John fourteen twenty six, And the apostles were guided by the Spirit to write the Gospels, which they did, Matthew and John. And so whether they wrote it in Greek or Aramaic, it was still inspired Holy Scripture, so mm. it communicated exactly what God wanted it to communicate. Yeah. Um, if we said um, today, um, Guten Tag, mein Bruder. Yes. Or we said, um, Bon dia, mi hermanos. Or we said, Buenos dias, mis hermanos. Or if we said, Dobroveci, mi brazzi. Or He's just if showing off we now. said, <laughs> Bonjour, mon frère. Yeah. Any of those languages, it's obvious that we're saying, uh, Good day or good morning, my brothers. Right. So, so it's the same thing in the different languages. Mm. Now, to take this a little bit further, we would have, um, we would have um, Acts two, okay. which is the first time that the gospel was preached to uh, people. It, right. it was the first preaching of the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ, mm-hmm. and uh, in in Acts two. Uh, verse 7 and verse 11. What do you have there, Brother Jed? Verse 7 says, They were amazed and astonished, saying, Are not all of these uh, who are speaking Galileans? Uh, and then it continues to talk about where they're all from. No, but you've skipped the most important part of that verse. Okay, so in verse 8, verse 8 says, How is it that we hear each of us in his own native language? All right, and then go to verse 11. Verse 11, both Jews and proselytes uh, Cretans and uh, Arabians, we hear them telling in our own tongue the mighty works of God. All right, and we hear them telling, your says, we hear mm-hmm. them speaking. I believe the word is laleo there. We hear them, the apostles, speaking in our own tongues. Mm. So that means that some of them were speaking in the language of the Parthians, and some of them were speaking in the language of the Arabs, and some of them yeah. were speaking in the language of the Cretans. And so even on the first day the gospel was ever preached... It wasn't just in Greek or Aramaic. No, it was yeah. in translation mm. that they heard it. So um, translation is not such a huge deal. Now, it's good, and you can learn nuances and everything from knowing the original language. But even in the Bible, for example, in the book of Hebrews, Mm -hmm. um, in Hebrews, um, throughout the book of Hebrews, there are numerous scripture quotations. Right. And, for example, if you'll go to Hebrews chapter Mm 2, and you start at about verse Mm 6, Mm-hmm. What do we say right there? The, what is man that you are mindful of him, or the son of man that you care for him? You made him a little while lower than the angels. You've crowned him with glory and honor, putting everything in subjection under his feet. All right, and so that's a quotation from Psalm 8. But what you may not know is it is a quotation from Psalm 8 in the Septuagint, which is the Greek translation ah. of the Old Testament. It's not the Hebrew text. Yeah. It's the Greek translation. Now, would he have had the ability to have quoted directly from sure. the Hebrew if he wanted? Sure. 
But here we have an inspired document where he's quoting from a translation and clearly communicating the mm. message to people. So, so the point I'm making to you is that the idea that you can't understand God's word uh, unless it's in your own, I mean, unless it's in the original language is not true because from the very beginning, God intended mm. his word to be understood by people uh, in whatever language it needed to be understood. Uh, in 1 Corinthians uh, 14 mm-hmm. and verse um, Let's see. 1 through 5, Paul is talking about prophecy and tongues. Tongues were the speaking the languages of other countries, languages which you'd never learned, like in Acts mm-hmm. 2. They were actual dialects. The word in Acts is Acts 2 is dialecto. Mm. They were actual dialects of people that lived in other nations that that the apostles or whoever had the gift had not learned. Yeah. So um, prophecy was spoken in plain language that everybody could understand, that the audience could understand. Right. The tongues were different languages. So um, other people in the audience couldn't understand it unless somebody from that country was there. Yeah. So read what he says in uh, 14, 1 through 5 about the need for clarity and translation. Mm. He says, uh, Pursue love and earnestly desire the spiritual gifts, especially that you may prophesy. For one who speaks in a tongue speaks not to men but to God. For no one understands him, but he utters mysteries in the Spirit. On the other hand, the one who prophesies speaks to people for the upbuilding and encouragement and consolation. The one who speaks in a tongue builds up himself, but the one who prophesies builds up the church. Now I want you all to speak in now I want you all to speak in tongues, but even more to prophesy. The one who prophesies is greater than the one who speaks in tongues, unless someone interprets, so that the church may be built up. All right. So you're not supposed to to speak in a language that people can't understand unless those people understand it. It's okay if you're a preacher once in a while mention some point of of uh, clarification and ask people to check different translations and say it looks like the Greek word has different meanings and here's one of them hmm. there. That's fine, but it, it's not okay if we give our people the impression that you can't understand the Bible unless you have the original language in front of you because that simply isn't true. Now that's a good a good maybe side question to this is what about when you're in a worship service or you're at a Bible study or whatever, and the preacher or the teacher is constantly saying, well, it says this, you know, but then they do their own Greek translation. They go, well, in the Greek, it really says, or in the Greek, it's trying to get across, you know, is maybe number one. A little bit of that is okay, but you got to think about your audience and what you've got to do is it would be better to illustrate that by, by having several English translations, if we're an English-speaking audience out there, and saying, you know, the word can mean this, as you can see here in this translation, they've done it this way, and this translation is a little bit different, and let's look at the context and see which one Mm. fits better. See, that might be a little better for the understanding of people, but I think we overdo that, and, you know... I, I used to be super guilty of it, and I'm not as guilty of it as I get older because I have realized that the most important thing is 
the understanding of the people mm. and the and the plain communication with the people. But you know, Paul said, when you read Ephesians three verse four, you can understand mm -hmm. my knowledge in the mystery of Christ. So when you read, you can understand. Now we've had sessions in this conversation about translations before, and this oh, yeah. is really not no what this, this one is about, but. I want to encourage all of you to read more than one translation, to study mm -hmm. like two or three, get a more literal one and a middle of the road one. And then if you want to use a paraphrase as a commentary, but not as the Bible, okay, but read the different mm -hmm. ones yeah. and it will really help you to see, okay, well, I get the basic thing that's going on here. Yeah. And But the most important thing for your understanding of the Bible is not the language you're reading it is in, but it's to keep it in the context. Mm. If you will just read what went before it, what comes after it, and follow the thought in a book, it won't matter much what translation you're using as long as it's a decent actual attempt at translation. Yeah. You'll get the understanding of what's going on in the passage. So then if someone has a desire... And maybe it's not as strong as the questioner of like, you can't understand, they're wondering if you can understand the Bible without understanding Greek, but they go, I would like to maybe catch some of those extra nuances or something. Is there still like, is it still a good thing for a person to learn sure, the Greek sure. or the if Hebrew? If you really want to learn, um, if you get you an interlinear, meaning you have the English and you have the Greek and each word is defined or, and mm. you get you a little, um, a little analytical lexicon. You can look up some words, but um, maybe a recommendation for like a beginner's guide sort of thing that you would... uh, old uh, Ray Summers old um, grammar at the Greek New Testament or J.G. Machen's old grammar of the hmm. Greek. You can start out with the most basic vocabulary and stuff, but don't think you have to have that to understand God's word. You don't. Mm. What you need to do is read the Bible and read it contextually through a book. Mm. Look at the flow of thought. You'll be able to understand exactly what you need to know to yeah. be a Christian if you want to go deep and study. But So it's not like saying that what I've got, since I'm holding you know my English ESV, is second rate to you being able to read your Greek New Testament over there. Like, this isn't going to give me a lack of understanding of God's Word. No, and especially because you're—I'm not saying that everything in the ESV is no, perfect. No, no, Just in English translations Nor in would any attempt I had to translate it myself be perfect. I'm just a person. Mm. Uh, but that's a good—toward the— more more literal end translation that really is trying to bring the original words and thought across you know and that's mm. you're gonna find be fine with that or, yeah or with the uh, new king james or the asv or the new american standard or the or the niv of 1984 or you know yeah all of those kinds of things again it's i think just trying to kind of put that question to rest or anyone who might have that concern just because you're reading an Eng a good English translation, it doesn't mean that there's like some secrets 
that are hidden away until you can learn the Greek or that it's been completely misrepresented by translating it. Because I think that the best one was that Hebrews example yeah. of the fact that one of the inspired writers was quoting from a translation. Sure. You know, that should kind of open it up that translations are okay. Yeah. Um, a point that I wanted to make was that words, you know, we can look up Greek words or English words and, if you look up an English word and you find like three or four definitions mm -hmm. in Webster's or whatever, you know, oh yeah, you're going to, you don't ever ask this question, but the question is, where does the definition come from? Mm. And the definition in a dictionary comes from known usages of that word. So, right. so if Webster or whoever the company is can find usages of this word in different settings in literature mm -hmm. they add that as a definition yeah okay so for all of you that are dangerous to yourself and others because you have a little bit of knowledge of of uh, greek or hebrew out there you have to understand that whatever greek word you're looking at or english word or latin word or mm. german word or whatever yeah can be used in a variety of ways. Oh, yes. And the only thing that determines how the person is using it is the context in the whatever document they're using yeah. Yeah. or conversation or whatever. Sure. So words mean whatever a person means by them. Mm. And the only way you can determine that is to read the part that came before your passage and the part that comes after and see how this particular person is trying to use mm -hmm. those words. And you can do that in pretty much any language as long as you read the whole thing and read it in there we go. context. So that's what I was trying to say. I could go into lots of conversations I've had with my wife of the fact that we grew up in different areas and we'll talk about like what a spatula is or what a cobbler is. Mm -hmm. We're talking about the same thing. I thought a cobbler thing. was a guy that made shoes. Well, not see, that's another one. But <laughs> <laughs> we're talking okay. desserts, the more important okay. version. You know? <laughs> but it's that sort of idea of even if they have the same basic understanding, there's nuance or details to it that matter the context, the situation, where you're from. Just read so, the book of the Bible from the beginning and you'll be fine. <laughs> that's what we would hope. It's a, and you could start a new video called Conversations with John. <laughs> okay, go ahead. That's all. That's all. Oh, me. So comment below with what your definition of a cobbler is. No, there we go. It is good to have this conversation. Appreciate it, Dan. Hopefully for those of you out there that might have had that question or felt that way before, this will put your mind at ease or give you more context to why you may have the answer that you have or someone has given you an answer. Uh, if there's more questions you have on this subject or any other, as always, we encourage you to write in, leave comments below the video. You look but cool today, Jed. Yesterday, you were a little cool to me, Jed. I think he's making a closing point. Cool it, Jed. Fair enough. Today, it will be cool in the Northeast. Goodbye. <laughs> we'll see y'all next time. Bye. <laughs> okay. Thanks again for listening to these weekly conversations between myself and Dr. Dan Owen. Conversations with Dan is an outreach and teaching ministry of the Broadway Church of Christ in Paducah, Kentucky. You can find us online through most of the major social media sites or through our website, broadwaycoc.com.